0: Food Heals Podcast, Episode 282. Take risks, believe in yourself,
1: If you fail, dust yourself off, get back up and try it again. Life is relentless and you just have to like punch it back. You got to mean it. Having a community for everyone is what
2: keeps that fire going. It's what keeps that belief. It's that person who can reflect back at you. Hey, I know you're having a bad day, but you can do this. You can do this. Find somehow, somewhere to feel safe so that way you can let your light shine and you can make a difference in the world too. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell
0: to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. I'm Allison Melody, and if you listen to the show often, you know that I'm a plant-powered foodie. I love indulging in delicious vegan cuisine and trying out all the tastes and flavors and textures of plant-based foods, especially at high-end restaurants like Pura Vita. Pura Vita is here in LA, and it's actually the first 100% plant-based Based organic Italian restaurant and wine bar in the United States. And it's where we recorded today's episode from. It was a really fun episode. It was co-hosted by JJ Flazanes, who you know from multiple episodes of Food Heals. Also, her podcast is Spirit, Purpose, and Energy. And she set up this interview for us. Our guest is the owner of Pura Vita. Her name is Tara Pizzoni, and I love Tara's story of taking big risks to accomplish her goals, and I know that her story is going to resonate with so many of you, Food Heals Nation. Plus, she reveals some really cool secret cooking tips, and we even talk about how she manifested her dream restaurant, and she didn't even know what manifestation was, and here she was visualizing what she wanted every day until it became a reality. So it's a really cool story. I know you're going to enjoy it. But first Food Heals Nation, I just returned from yet another conference. This one was hosted by Travis Chapel, who you may remember from episode 188 of Food Heals, where we talked about how changing your water could change your life. And his event was Build Your Network Live. And I was actually the party concierge at this event. And I've gotten pretty well known in my entrepreneurial circle for throwing these epic karaoke parties. And so the event was a blast, but it was in Vegas. So each day we're getting up early and we're going to bed. Dead late plus Nothing closes in Vegas, so here we are. It's 2.30 a.m. I don't even realize what time it is. The piano bar is still going strong, and I, you have to make yourself go home because literally nothing closes. So I am so grateful to today's sponsor for getting me through the weekend, and that is Energy Bits. I could not live without them. I could not have gotten through this conference without them. They gave me the energy that I needed to you know, stay up all night and be ready to get on stage that next day and to now network with people throughout the day, to pay attention during the conference, and to plan these conference events that I was responsible for, and to not get sick or stressed out in the process. And energy bits are made with algae. Algae is a four billion year old single cell organism that has 40 vitamins and minerals, the highest concentration of protein. So next time you get asked where to get your protein, there's your answer. I get it from algae. Only one calorie per bit, per bite, per little pill. And it's literally nature's true superfood. Of course, there's zero sugar. The bits are easy to pack, easy to eat on the run. I give them out, I take them everywhere. I love them for traveling. I also just took them to Atlanta to another conference that I was speaking at, and they helped with my jet lag because, you know, a three hour time difference does make a difference for me. And that conference, I had two speaking gigs, and I was the karaoke party host. So I had a lot of responsibilities and a lot of people to meet, and, you know, it can be exhausting. I'm actually an introvert who plays extrovert really well, but then I need a lot of downtime and alone time. So energy bits really helped me with my energy and help me get deep sleep in the time that I did have to sleep. And then of course I take them at home too. They're great plant-based workout fuels. So I take them before or after the gym or a run or Pilates. And basically at this point I'm just popping them. All day long, my energy is high, my sleep is deep, and my brain is on fire. So give your body the protein and micronutrients it needs to perform without sugar or artificial sweeteners. Go to energybits.com, use the coupon code FOODHEALS, you'll get 20% off your order. All right, next up, our interview with Tara. The Food Heals Podcast starts now.
2: Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast. I'm JJ Flazanes. I'm Allison Melody. And you are getting a dual show. So excited. We are putting this episode not only on the Food Hills podcast, on all of my shows Spirit, Purpose, and Energy, Nutrition Alternative Medicine, Fit to Love, Women, Men, and Relationships. This show is going everywhere. It's going viral. Yes. It's absolutely going we're viral. We're making it viral. <laughs> and it's because of Allison that we're actually doing the show today. She posted something on social
0: media. She came to a restaurant in West Hollywood. Who introduced you to this restaurant? Gosh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. I just feel like because I'm in this vegan community that as soon as a new restaurant pops up, we all know about it and we're all checking it out. So as soon as I heard about it, I was literally here. I was drinking all the wine, eating all the pasta, texting everyone about it, posting it on social media.
2: And you posted on social media, and I saw it and went, Wait a minute, it is a gluten free vegan Italian restaurant. And from that moment, I said
0: to Doug, We have to go. With organic biodynamic wine.
2: Yes, every, this hits every cylinder that, yes. on every everything you could possibly want on that healthy maybe not the glucose part but that's okay because we all love to splurge and those of us who love food love food and definitely it's one of those things you need to work in so yeah. uh, i and appreciate it checks all the boxes it absolutely checks all the boxes so I decided that when Doug and I came, we were having a wonderful dinner. Every single thing from the wine that we had to every single thing we tasted was amazing. And then behind us, there was a champagne bottle that popped a cork. And we noticed that the owner and chef and the staff were celebrating. And I thought, what's going on? And so I I asked what was going on. And they had just gotten their Kickstarter fund completely funded to expand the restaurant. And from there, I just, as I was eating the food, I was thinking, I really want to know her story. I want to know about this restaurant. And so I came back again, brought my mom with Doug, and then came back again and brought another friend, Marjorie. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask her, do you want to be on a podcast? And so I asked Allison if she'd join me
0: today, since, again, this is a vegan gluten-free restaurant that we think everyone should know about. Yeah, and even the non-vegans love this food. It is that good. And I love bringing Italian vegan food to people who aren't used to it and realizing, you know, watching them make the realization that this food can taste creamy and amazing without the dairy and you don't need the meat and that Italian food is just so rich with flavor that you can eat it and enjoy it and have it be a lot healthier than what you're used to and not have heartburn and bloating and everything afterwards. And just know
2: we're at the restaurant. (laughs) We're at the restaurant during restaurant hours. So if you hear the background music or people at their table talking and enjoying a a nice afternoon lunch, just be forgiving in that respect because we are here at the restaurant. That was the only way to get her on the podcast was (laughs) to actually come to the restaurant because if any of you have ever worked in hospitality, at any point in time, you know you live, breathe, and sleep working in a restaurant. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Tara Pinzoni. So, first off, you are 100% Italian?
1: I, well, oddly enough, I did my 23andMe report, and no, I am not 100% Italian. (laughs) Pretty close, but no. There's a mix of Northern African, Sub-Saharan West African, not sure what Grandma was doing, but... (laughs) All right. (laughs) Mixed it up a bit. Yeah, I believe I'm, well, I've been
2: told I'm 50% Italian, and I do believe that's mostly true, but I haven't done one of those reports yet. But let's just go with it. You're mostly Italian with a little bit of extra, and I'm half Italian. Allison, you have any Italian in you?
0: Not in me currently. However, I have been in a relationship with an Italian for 10 years. So, <laughs> I understand. I feel like I'm a part of the family. You're an honorary Paisan. <laughs> yes. I
2: thought we were going to go a little bit on the east side of this you were going to say you had an Italian in you. Anyway, we that's just made this right. Right. I thought that's where she right? was going. I don't have any this. wine,
0: ladies. I'm <laughs> not there yet. Okay. <laughs>
2: but you opened the door, and so I have a feeling we're going to get there. So, let's start with your story. I want to know what did you always dream of having your own restaurant?
1: Yeah, so my um, my grandparents had a sandwich shop in Brooklyn. I always thought that that was just like such a interesting and cool thing. My parents both were amazing cooks, so I've just always been like really into the food aspect of my culture. You know, my family, everything was always about food. So because of that, I had seen a lot of things that were kind of upsetting. Even when I was like a really little kid, I didn't really like to eat certain meat, like if it was on a bone. I don't know. I just was like always kind of grossed out by certain things. So I was a really annoying kid from the very beginning. But then in uh, in the fifth grade, I had a teacher who showed the class a video of a slaughterhouse. And at that point, I realized that I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I told my parents, I mean, long story short, I told my parents, you know, I didn't want to eat meat anymore. And they had no idea what that meant or what they were supposed to do, but they wanted to support me even though they thought it was totally a, a phase that I was going to grow out of. They wanted to support me, but they made me come with them in the kitchen and, and help them cook so that they could, we could all figure it out together. And that was when I started cooking. So how old were you when you started cooking? I mean, I was always kind of in the kitchen with them, but I started being really interested in it when I was like 10 or 11. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I grew up in a, again, Greek-Italian family, so my mother is a homemade cook. She made homemade bread from my whole life, basically. My father gardened. We had an acre of land. We had most of it as a garden. We grew everything from corn, tomatoes, bell peppers... Rhubarb. We grew. We had apple trees. We had peach trees. We had mint. We had parsley. Oh, like amazing. so, I grew up really eating from the garden and eating home cooked meals all the time because my mother was a housewife. Did a little bit of work here or there, but she didn't really have a career, which is, was good for me because it taught me really the value and the, the joy of cooking. And of course, being in an Italian family or a Greek family, where that's how you show your love for people. Exactly. And I take that very seriously. People know that I don't cook for just anyone because if you don't love it and go ape shit about it. Then I'm not doing it again. It's like literally, if cooking for people could be a six love language, that's would be a six love language because when I, but you know, because I use all organic ingredients, I'm gluten free, I'm not vegan, but I'm dairy free. So when I cook and for somebody or bake for some, it's literally with love every single thing that I do, and I feel that in your food and I feel that in your recipes, and I and I want to talk about the food, but I still want to continue on the story. So you're 10 years old and you're cooking in the in your with your family and trying to figure out being a vegan. What yeah, Well,
1: not vegan yet. It was just vegetarian. It was just meat at that point because I, I, didn't even, it didn't even occur to me about dairy and everything else yet. I mean, I was a, ki- a little kid, so I, I had to um, figure all of that out over time. But even just eliminating meat, it was, was so strange to them that somebody would say, I'm never going to do this thing that everybody does on a daily basis again. I'm never going to do it again. And they thought I was just being a little kid but I really meant it, obviously, and so (laughs) I didn't want to miss out on all the things that my parents would cook, so I really just wanted to figure out how to do these things without it including meat. My mother and father are both amazing cooks, but she just dove deep, like she really went out of her way. She would make one thing that maybe had meat in it for the rest of my family, but everything that was on the table from that moment on was vegetarian. So there would be like one thing that my dad could, you know, they could have some whatever chop they're having and, um, and everything else was vegetarian. And then I just started to, I'm the kind of person that when I get into something, I go way down the rabbit hole. So I started reading all about, you know, vegetarianism and it led me into the rest of it, which was the dairy industry and the leather industry and all this other stuff. And as a little kid, I was just like, oh my God. This is, like, terrible, and I'm so confused, like, why is this normal? Why do people think that this is normal? And so, little by little, I just started eliminating all the things, you know, just um, threw away my motorcycle jacket, you know, I didn't throw it away, I gave it away, but doing things that my parents were just like, okay, you're getting crazy now, like, we, you know, we bought you that jacket, it was expensive, and now you're not going to wear it. Like, you know, the cows are already dead kind of thing. And I had, it took me so long to explain to them why it was just not acceptable anymore for me. So it took me a couple of years to be fully vegan to really figure it out, but probably by the time I was like 12-ish.
0: And did you have friends or anyone your age that was on this journey with you, or did you feel really alone in this journey? I was
1: 100% alone on this journey.
0: Yeah, this is this is so similar to my story. I can't even tell you. I remember I watched an animal activism video that was on the news, which is unheard of. Kind of like you watched one in school, which is also now unheard oh, of. The like she would probably be fired if that happened right, now. Right? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> People would be protesting it up in arms, and it would be a whole thing. But we watched this video, and there's four of us girls, and I was probably 15, and it was um, showing the abuse of. Of cows, And I also didn't make the dairy connection at that time, but I was like, I will never eat a hamburger again after seeing that video. So my four girlfriends and I, we formed a little club called four far and it was four girls, four animal rights. Okay. Well, guess what? I'm the, I'm the founding and only lasting member of four far because it didn't stick. But for me, I was like, that was not the first thing that set me on that mission. Just like how you got set on the mission. And then the other people kind of just went away from it, went back to, you know, eating the same way. And I was like, wow, everything, my mind is blown. What else is out there? And it took me years and years and years to get to the place that I am and multiple tragedies and all kinds of things. But I wonder, why is it that some people are so affected by seeing these kind of things and others are just like, ah, ah, I'm good. I mean, I wish I knew the answer to that question because maybe if
1: I knew the answer, I could tap into the people who are not affected. But I think some people just have a certain level of compassion towards animals and and other people maybe just don't not to say that they don't love their dog but they just don't make the connection that all animals are the same they're all living breathing loving affectionate all the things and some i don't think people make that connection with you know animals that stereotypically are eaten
2: as a non vegan, I will say that I, there's a couple things. One, first, I want to ask your birthday. I'm curious about your sign. You wouldn't happen to be a Pisces or a Cancer or a Scorpio, are you? You knew it was coming. <laughs> you
1: knew it was coming. I am none of those things. What no. are you? I'm a Virgo. Okay.
2: Strong and hard. Okay. Do you
1: know what your, your moon sign is by chance?
2: Do you know your astrology? Um, I don't know no. okay you're gonna deal with your emotion. anyway all my best friends are Virgos, so we're already That's we're the best well I just got cut out of both of those Virgos <laughs> and vegans all right just got the job. okay so as a non vegan I, I I'm gonna we speak like to, to v- refer
1: to ourselves here as the vegan Virgo vampires
2: whoa
1: yes. why because we have
2: a lot of staff that are Virgos <laughs> yes. really yeah, <laughs> that is funny <laughs> so you know it's it's also it goes back to also spiritual beliefs and what you believe about life and death so I think that if we we believe, and I'm not. I'm, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole of what your beliefs are and what your beliefs are in life and death. But for the people that believe that we are, we only have one life, and this is all that we're living, and that we don't necessarily recycle, and sort of that, you know, uh, how how that works. So I think that there's partly spiritual beliefs too, and the way that we handle our everything from. I mean, you know, how someone who's starving in the woods, so to speak, versus how we have slaughterhouses and things like that. There's absolute wrongs that are going on in this world that are completely not sustainable, don't help the planet, don't help any species, whatever. I'm in total agreement of that. But in terms of the consumption, I think that, again, depending on where you fall and what you believe about... The purpose of life, the purpose of animals, the purpose of, of our bodies and, and what works and what doesn't work, because there's as many studies to prove all different angles depending on what it is you are believing. So again, I'm not promoting either side. I'm just saying that there's, you know, when someone gets focused enough, they can find the research to support whatever it is that they currently believe and what's working for them. And I am someone who is absolutely dairy-free and all about sustainable and, and not and cruelty-free. I've attended events with you and donate to charities and rescue animals. And so anyway, so you have this, you're 12 now. You're a full-on vegan by yourself trying to figure out how to eat in the world. And so is that when you're forced to start cooking for yourself more or search out new things or demand or ask for new
1: things? Yeah, I mean, I was never really forced to cook for myself because, like I said, my mother and my father, but my mother really just, like, stepped up to the plate and took care of it, you know. My dad's a little bit more flaky in that, you know, he would be like, ready to put the Parmesan cheese on my pasta. And I'm like, Dad, it could be like now. He would still do that now. It's been like 30 years. <laughs> but he's just like, he just doesn't think about stuff like that. But my mom like really took it seriously. She was reading every label. She was like, she uh-huh. she went down the path with me, even though she didn't understand it or practice it. She wanted to make sure that I was happy and, and comfortable and all the things like the best mother in the world should do. And she did it better than anyone. So I never had to, I was never forced to cook. I just enjoyed the process with her. And I felt like I was like learning a whole new set of skills that maybe I wouldn't have been paying attention to if I didn't suddenly realize what this food was and how we interact with it and how it gets made and all the things. It just became so interesting to me.
2: Well, I guess I didn't mean forced. I'm thinking about us now in adulthood, living on our own, being in relationship. And when, you know, I remember a story, Allison, when you were traveling and you were so thankful to find vegan restaurants in places in the middle of the country that they weren't five years ago, or to be able to finally now go to some of the bigger stores that carry certain foods, and now they've got some vegan non-dairy milks. And I know for me, I asked many companies, why are you not carrying another milk? And soy had already been, I mean, it had been years that we knew soy milk wasn't good for us. And and more science on that later, but you know, but they didn't have almond or ri- like almond, rice, hemp, coconut, pick one, uh, macadamia. Now, like just anything, anything except soy and cow. And you know, the bigger the store, the bigger I thought your responsibility is to at least offer something to people all over the country, especially in California at the time and in New York who want something different because we're sort of the trend centers, right? That are looking at life and, and foods and demanding other things. You know, I always tell people with the gluten free industry, I became gluten free when there was next to Nothing on the market. And, you know, I don't know if you remember that brown rice bread. Um, I don't know how long you've been gluten free, but Trader Joe's had this brown rice bread that felt like a brick. And it was the only bread they had. This was 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago now. So I've been gluten free for 12, almost 12 years. When I mean forced, like I was in a way forced to figure stuff out because there wasn't anything out there. There was like one kind of pizza dough, there was one kind of cookie, there was one kind of bread, and people weren't making it. And now look at the industry. And it's not because we yelled at people that said, stop making wheat. We just said uh, we just demanded and we offered to pay more for people to figure out how to make these things taste better and how to and it, and we've come such a long way, which is another reason why I wanted to have you on the show because many people out there who are eating gluten-free, they they had it 5 years ago and they're like, "Oh, it tastes like cardboard." Or, "Oh, it's right. it tastes crappy." And and so they've decided that I'm not even going to try it because it tastes so bad. And here we are in this amazing restaurant that you've built with amazing food that every single person. My mother is kind of gluten-free. My boyfriend is not gluten-free, but he has since moving in with me, eaten anything that I make and anything that you've made that I've brought him here. So again, food is food. And when it tastes good, later, when I prepare meals, later I tell people, oh, by the way, that was everything you ate was gluten-free and dairy-free. And they'll go, really? That quiche was gluten-free? Oh my God, that dessert? Yes. I don't tell them ahead of time because they look at it funny and they go, oh, how's it going? It's going to taste weird, isn't it? And I'm like, no, just eat it. Promise. I'm I'm, I'm a cook. I care about how food tastes. So not that I'm... I don't Definitely don't worry about how it looks. So if you ever eat at my house, just know that I don't, I will slop it on your plate. It will taste amazing, but it will look not great. All right. I'm not that person who makes things pretty. So now you're, so I didn't mean forced. So, but going through the world, so now you're with your amazing parents and your mother who's taking such good care of you. And, and now, so at this point, are you thinking I want to do something with opening your own restaurant? Like where were your sights set on?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my, you know, I guess I always kind of like looked up to the idea of what my grandparents had done and they were very successful with their, they had a sandwich shop in Brooklyn. So I always would say, you know, to my, my dad, mostly like, I just, I want to have my own restaurant one day. And he would just be like, no, no, you don't want to have that. You don't want to do that. You want to have a life. You want to travel. You want to have relationships. You want to like enjoy things. And if you have a restaurant, you will never have any of those things. Wow. And so Having been told that over and over for, for a long time, when it came time to, you know, go to college, I went to art school. I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan and um, got a master's degree in fine art and attempted to make a living as an artist, which is nearly impossible. And, um, and what did he think about that? Because he's like, no restaurants, but art, cool. He was all about it. He <laughs> wow. was fully supportive of that idea. Yeah, he was like... I mean, they were super supportive no matter what I chose, but Uh he really tried to steer me out of the idea of ever having a restaurant. That's pretty funny. I would always cook, and I would do, like, for, like, little side projects, like I would cook in people's houses, or I would teach them. It was less about veganism and more about health at that time. But, of course, everything I did was completely vegan. But I never worked in a restaurant, and I never had that experience I mean I was like living a totally different life it was just I was missing something enormous some giant void in my life that was so abundantly clear to me and it just occurred to me that like my passion I have two passions in life music and food and I don't play an instrument and I can't sing to save my life (laughs) so so it became clear that my focus was really in the wrong direction. I really needed to, like, reset my my path. And and so I just went into a I I literally quit my job, got made fun of again by my bosses, like, oh, do you think you're just going to go become a chef somewhere? And I'm like, no, I'm going to go work as a prep cook. I'm going to start from the bottom because I never went to culinary school and I have no restaurant experience. And so that's what I did and just worked my way up pretty quickly because I already knew how to cook. I just needed to learn what happens in a restaurant, you know? It was so clear. I mean, it was just like I was a million times happier the very first moment of being in that kitchen versus anything I had ever done before.
0: So what was it like taking that leap? Because I know that this can be hard. It's like when you quit your full-time job to go do something you're passionate about. I mean, that's a huge leap and change in life. And by the way, some of the best chefs I know have no culinary training, you know? So I felt, I found that interesting about your story, but what was it like taking that leap? Like, how did you set yourself up for that? I mean,
1: uh, monetarily, it was really difficult because I was making pretty good salary. Um, as a photographer, I had learned how to do photoshop because at that point everything went digital and so I started to do that kind of work and I was making good money and then I went went into the kitchen and was making minimum wage like you do and that sucked but it didn't matter because my happiness was so much more important and I felt a purpose I felt really a purpose that needed to be fulfilled and it's hard to live in New York City and make minimum wage, but you just uh, figure it out, you know? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you if you were in New York when you did this. Yeah, and I'm from so, New York. So. Right,
2: and I lived in Manhattan. I was in Manhattan in the 90, late 90s and moved to California uh, in 2000. But where, when you were in Manhattan, so you are a vegan, were you working in vegan restaurants or were you just working anywhere? Like in a specific, specific kind of restaurant. Rest- only vegan restaurants, yeah, yeah. great.
1: I would never... One time I got so desperate for money that I started to do catering and catering is just anything right and so they would try to like put me on only the veggie prep or whatever one time for six hours I had to clean scallops
0: wow it was like
1: nauseating like like that my heart was in my throat the whole time but like (laughs) I was you know you need to pay rent but that was like the furthest I ever go like if they told me like you have to handle chicken, I would have been like, I'm, I'm out of here, right?
2: <laughs> I'm out of here. Right.
1: Well, I know people that eat meat that won't
2: handle like They, they die <laughs> oh, in the woods. D- yeah, they d- wouldn't do it. It's absolutely disgusting. So when did you move to California? And did you end up in a certain place that you couldn't... Did you never
1: want to open a restaurant in New York? Or did you open one there as well? Oh, no. This is this is my first restaurant that I've ever owned. I moved to California seven and a half years ago because my boyfriend dragged me here kicking and screaming I never ever would in a million years would ever think I would live in LA I'm truly a New Yorker in every possible way and I hated it here like I just hated it for the first like two years but I had a really I liked my job and so I stuck it out and then I realized I started to like it here So I worked at this one restaurant as a culinary director. I was overseeing four locations, learning a lot about business more than anything, which was a really, really important thing. And the reason why I was waiting to ever open a restaurant because I really needed to understand the business part of it because you can cook all day long, but if you don't understand how the business side of it works, it's not going to work. So I was just really diving into that, trying to learn that. And then, uh, so I was there for like a little over five years. The original owner sold the restaurant and I realized that it was my time. I needed to make this happen. I'm not getting any younger, and I have the energy that you need and the passion, and I need to do it now. Actually, the catalyst for that was for my 40th birthday, I took my family to Italy. Hadn't been there since I moved to California, New York was easier, we just went all the time. But the last time that I was there, there was a few vegetarian places, but nothing really, like, overwhelmingly interesting. And when we went for my birthday a couple of years ago, it was, like, right out of the gate, like, literally in the airport, there was, like, vegano, vegano, like, vegan everywhere, Everywhere.
0: everything. It's amazing, It's
1: crazy. And it occurred to me, I literally thought, like, holy shit, like, what, if I don't do this now, somebody else is going to do it first? Yeah. And then I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Because this has been my idea since I'm like 12, you know, like vegan Italian. And no one has done it yet. So I Not well. Not as well as you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I came home and just, you know, I was like, I got to figure this out. Stat. Quit the job. Talked to everybody I knew. And um, a really old friend of mine that I've known since I'm 15, he would always sort of what I thought was joking about like, oh, one day we're going to open a restaurant together. One day, one day. And I called him and I was like you know how you're always joking about opening a restaurant with me? And he's like, I'm not joking.
0: <laughs> and I was like,
1: okay, I'm ready. <laughs> and literally, that's how it happened. We just started looking at places and wow. we made it happen. So, When was the official opening here? Uh, we opened on September 5th, 2018. So for
2: those of you that are local in California or traveling to California, obviously, you need to come here. The restaurant is called Pura Vida. P-U-R-A-V-I-T-A, which in translation stands for pure life, correct? Yes. Right. In Italian. Yes. And so even if you aren't vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free, still come here because the food is amazing. But And give it a try. In fact, if you're curious, just come here and give it a try because the standard now will be so high <laughs> that you'll understand that it is possible to make amazing vegan and gluten-free pasta and Italian dishes and dairy-free cheeses that are amazing and dips and the whole nine yards desserts to die for. and. I want to talk about the people, though, that aren't going to be able to make it because they live in Spain or Italy or France because I know a lot of people get mad at me. Like, I can't go there. I'm in Australia. (laughs) Well, when you come to California, come here to Los Angeles make it a destination point but for those that are listening about your dream that you had when you were little and how you you know the things that happened along the way to make that happen the belief if you were to give someone some advice who is listening to your story and can identify with there's something I know I'm passionate about and I'm not doing it and how do I get myself to do it what are the steps that you would recommend someone take or think about in order to help them live out their dream
1: well that's a really good question um don't listen to anyone people's advice be polite, say yes, thank you for caring enough to give me advice, and then forget everything that they said. Yep, and then do it anyway. And then do it anyway. I'm with you, girl. Take risks, believe in yourself, if you fail, dust yourself off, get back up and try it again. I mean, it's just, life is relentless, and you just have to, like, punch it back. You gotta you gotta mean it, you know? And, um, and look, not everybody is gonna be able to do exactly what they wanna do, but if you can get as close as possible, you'll be so much happier for it. You know, we only get this one life, I think, so it's like we gotta... we gotta, You gotta do you. You can't do what somebody else wants you to do. Did you ever think
2: you wouldn't do it, or did you ever... Did you come across, you know, hurdles, those obstacles that we have that really, for a second, make you go, maybe I can't do this, maybe I shouldn't do this. Did that ever happen to you?
1: Of course. I mean, that's happened a lot of times. This... Industry, first of all, is very difficult in general. It makes it a thousand times more difficult because I'm crazy vegan and, you know, would never work in a place that wasn't that. And it makes it another thousand times more difficult because I'm a woman. And I've always been the only one in the kitchen. And when I lived in Italy, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to get all this like amazing experience. And they laughed in my face. They laughed at me. Women do not work in a kitchen. Wow. Women cook at home. And those moments stick with you because you think like, I mean, obviously I know that that's not true. They have a little catching up to do, but <laughs> it sometimes it certain things get under your skin like maybe I will never be as good as, you know, somebody who Has culinary training, or somebody who's been working in a restaurant for the last 20 years, or a man, or whatever it is. It's like you question yourself, and then you, and then, I mean, for me, I just was always like, I'm the only one who that I've ever come across who can do this particular thing as well as we're doing it here. I've never tasted vegan Italian food, even in Italy, (laughs) that was anything that was, you know super mind blowing that i didn't think i could do better myself and so i had to just keep reminding myself of that you know it's not like i'm not making veggie burgers you know it's like something very very particular and that gives you an advantage
0: yeah so you have to use your advantages you know And let me reflect back to you that this is true because I run vegan Italian retreats and my retreat partner and I, we bring, you know, 10 to 12 women to Italy and we eat all the vegan foods and you just, the tastes and flavors are just so divine. And then you come home and you can't go to a restaurant and you can't make it yourself as good as they make it. I mean, Leslie Durso can, she's a vegan chef, but I can't. And the other retreat attendees can't. And so we come here. So the last time we did a meetup, we all came here and that's how good the food is because we can pretend that we're back there, but the food is as good or better as what we had there. So thank you for that. Thank and then you. my question is like, where do you get this positive attitude and drive? Because I feel like a lot of people probably would have given up and, you know, stayed with the art school or stayed with the, the job or, you know, when they were told women don't belong in the kitchen adopted that. So where does that drive and positivity come from? Can I answer this question graphically? please oh yeah we've crossed the line already this is
2: labeled as an e-show don't worry whatever (laughs) Now,
1: I'm a very very nice and compassionate person but I'm 100% guilty of having a fuck you attitude so every time somebody tells me I can't do something, you bet your fucking ass I'm going to do it. I love That's that. That's just the way I've always been since I'm a kid. I'm doing your chart before we're done today,
2: because there's a sadge in you. I'm telling you right now, there's Sadge in her. Because I, I, I would always say if you want to get me to do something, tell me I can't do it. Yeah. Tell me, just tell me, dare me, dare yeah. me that you tell me you can't it's do the it. Best because motivation. Absolutely. There is. I mean, tell me I can't do it because I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Now that doesn't always work, especially in relationships. Not necessarily it's like a little self sabotaging sometimes, but in the case of your own success in life and business,
0: works awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a New Yorker, so that doesn't hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean you just have to you have to have a positive mental attitude. It's the PMA. It's just like I mean, I was like always part of like a music scene when I was a kid and the PMA was a big it was a big part of it. And um you just gotta like believe that that your shit is real that's it well your shit is real so let's talk about the food because your (laughs) shit is real
0: Food Heals Nation have you ever gone days without getting good sleep? it's very frustrating you feel tired all day you're dragging yourself to and from your work or your responsibilities or picking up the kids or whatever it is that you have to do that day and when you finally get back home and into bed you're lying awake all night again And Americans are actually spending $50 billion a year on sleeping pills. And the irony is in most cases, these pills don't work. And even if they help you fall asleep, they don't allow you to get the rejuvenating rest that you need. So there's just a quick Band-Aid approach that aren't actually serving you. And that's why I'm obsessed with the superior nutrition provided by Organifi Gold. Organifi Gold will help you sleep in so many ways. First of all, the gold helps you experience deep nourishing sleep so you can wake up refreshed and rested, not like when you take those sleeping pills and you wake up and you're like, well, I slept, but I'm still exhausted throughout the day, right? Right. It also soothes your muscles, it helps you relax after a long day, it helps stiff joints feel young again, and it's chock full of a ton of healing ingredients. It's got reishi mushroom, ginger, turmeric, lemon balm, turkey tail mushroom, black pepper, cinnamon, coconut milk, fiber, just all of these real powerful superfood ingredients that are going to help you get that deep nourishing restful sleep that we all crave and deserve. And it tastes divine. That is the game changer. You know, that's what makes this absolutely a superior product. There's nothing better than a warm cup of Organified Gold before bed. It's so easy to make. It tastes delicious. You just heat up some water and mix the powder in. You can add a splash of your favorite plant-based milk. If you want it a little bit creamier, you know, I will do the oat milk. As you know, that's my fave. And it's a great drink you can start making over the holidays, after a meal, introduce it to your friends and families. It can help, you know, if you're trying to help ease your family members into some healthier habits, if that's one of your goals, you can make them this delicious drink before bed or after dinner. You can make it as a gift, too. It makes a great gift. I gave out a lot of Organifi Gold last year, and people love it so check it out of course we have a discount code for you go to Organifi.com use the coupon code FOODHEALS you'll get 20% off your first order so make it a big one because you're going to get 20% off the first one and then you're going to get addicted and you're going to want more so make the first order your big one order all the Christmas presents all at once and you'll probably be as hooked and impressed as I am All right, now back to our interview with Tara you're listening to the Food Hills
1: Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes.
2: All right, so as an Italian, as a snob in the kitchen myself... Would never though ever open a restaurant for me right? because I've worked in hospitality and uh, although everyone keeps wanting me to, my ex-husband kept threatening to build me a restaurant and uh, and I was like, no, no, I'm not because I would, the love of cooking for me would have gone out the door. Right. I've actually been hired to cook for people and it was fun at first and then I started to resent it because then I'd come home and I'd want a pizza because I was, I gave all my love away to somebody else to cook for them. Right. And, and again, it is that I'm so, I'm a little too attached to how it's received. You know, because again, I'm cooking for what I think is good for somebody as well. And the organic side, it's clean. And so if you don't really appreciate the love, the attention, the ingredients, the, the farmer's market, the organic, you don't even appreciate all of that stuff. And you don't even think it's amazing Then I'm like defeated my, and that's not necessarily a good way to be, but it is the way I am. So that's, I just deal with it. So I want to talk about the food. So you had never tasted anything like you make. And I totally understand that. And I get that. And I'm with you on that. So what gave you that inspiration to play in the kitchen? Like, at what point or what year in your evolution did you go I got it I got it I figured out the rest the right recipe to make homemade pasta and in vegan cheese the the baked one that you do here, the baked ricotta cheese like
1: when did you figure that out the baked ricotta was figured out the day before I printed the menus (laughs) when we first opened (laughs) I love that I I was like I need to get some kind of like cheese and bread thing going on on this menu Oh, let's just put it in the oven which is how a lot of great things come to fruition I've just been like so okay so every Sunday my family ate pasta for my whole entire life and they would have you know the pasta and the sauce and the ricotta cheese and I wanted to have that cheese too So I just started figuring, trying to make it. You know, I started with just started started with tofu, and that was kind of lame. But that's what it was for a long time. And then um, I worked for a restaurant in New York, which is no longer open, called Pure Food and Wine, and and uh, it was a raw restaurant, and everything there was uh, nut based. And that was the first time I had ever seen cultured nut based cheese, and I was like, oh my god. That changes my whole world. Everything is different. Every single thing that I've ever made is now going to change. Mm -hmm. And so then things just started unfolding rapidly after that. All of the things I had been making all along just got like 10% better because I introduced nuts into the mix. And it just has this creaminess, this fattiness, you know, that tofu or whatever else you use just doesn't have. So... So that definitely, that was an awesome experience, and that changed my my understanding of ingredients a lot. That was an awesome restaurant. It's a shame it's not open anymore. When did you become gluten-free? I, or so are I you not gluten-free? To, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to uh, correct you. I am, I am very gluten-full. I love gluten. Um, I love bread and pasta. But almost everything on this menu, and this restaurant is not gluten-free. It's just that almost everything on the menu can be gluten-free. I realize that that's a really important thing because people have legitimate allergies and food sensitivities. And it's hard enough to make the decision to be vegan or to be healthier and eat cleaner. You don't need to miss out on the most wonderful things in life like pasta and bread. So it was really important for me to make sure that everything, that gluten-free people can come here and be comfortable and know that like, we got you. I mean it's like separate pots of water for the pasta and it's separate, you know, it's, it's, it's all clean and the real deal. But I myself am not gluten free.
2: Well, I appreciate that you made this menu. That's why I'm here, because I'm not vegan, but I'm gluten-free and I'm dairy-free. So the vegan cheese, I'm always like, when I see something that's dairy and vegan, I'm on it. I'm the first, like, trying everything and eating everything. And when I usually see pasta and vegan, I don't even pay attention because I'm assuming it's wheat. And for me, I'm not a celiac, but I'm, it's by choice. Because there is a sensitivity. It's a low sensitivity, but it's also a desire for me to keep my gut intact and for not to, you know. And it just gives me another option. I'd just rather... There's nothing good about wheat. Like, we don't need anything in wheat, so why eat it? And if we can replace it with something that's very comparable, then why not? And so, for me, it's hard to find good gluten free pastas and no one else is doing it. I mean that is what put when Allison said this is a vegan gluten free and I know you're not completely gluten free because I want you I want those meatballs. I want those lentils meatballs to be gluten free. <laughs> no, they I'm don't like, stick oh,
1: together without the gluten. Oh,
2: I, I challenge you. I you I challenge you that we can make it gluten free and have it taste as good. I always tell people that they're making me a meal and they and they put in they're making a roux and they're using wheat. I'm like you could use rice flour, it would do the same. Sorry I'm I'm making faces. I'm really making a lot of faces for those of you that aren't watching this because we're not filming it. Um, but I'm really very animated because I'm very passionate about, again, good food that's good for you and having options and a treat to come here. It's literally like my I took the whole day off. I'm like, we're going to go to the restaurant. Like, anytime time we schedule to come here, it's like it's a day. It's a day trip. It's a it's a vacation. So at what point, though, because your gluten-free stuff is amazing. And again, that's where I want to get. Not only is it vegan, and and no disrespect to vegans, but pasta is vegan and so anyone has, you can just go buy regular pasta. I don't, yours is amazing. Homemade gluten free pasta. Please tell us how you made that leap and how you like made
1: it so amazing. I actually, we don't make the gluten free pasta here. I import it from Italy. Oh, okay. And so that's part of it. A big part of it. Um, They definitely figured something out recently because I have tasted every gluten-free pasta that exists on this earth, and they all taste like, for no offense to me, disgusting. (laughs) They're pasty, and or they taste like lentils or black beans or rice or whatever ingredient that they're made from is what they taste like. They don't taste like pasta. So on my journey of trying to find one that I would acceptably cook and put on my menu... I found this one company that is in Italy, and they make this incredible pasta that, I mean, honest to God, you almost can't tell the difference. It's just like...
2: Right, and that's why I'm going on and on about it. I'm glad you're even saying that, because... So here your choices, everybody. Go to Italy, and I don't even know wherever (laughs) you have to find it. You have to research it, or you can come to Pura Vida, because it literally tastes homemade. The way you cook it, the way you serve it, it tastes like homemade pasta. It's amazing. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. There is a trick. When you're cooking any pasta, but it works for gluten-free, and I feel like it's very important, you cook the pasta in the water, and then... Look, I'm giving away my secrets. You cook the pasta in the water. It's really not a secret, but... And then you put it into the pan with the sauce. Put a little bit, a little spoonful of the pasta water, even if it's gluten-free, into the pan with the sauce, and the sauce will stick to the pasta. Mm. And that is the trick. It is the simplest thing. People don't know to do it. And it changes everything. Wow. You're putting in the water before the sauce or with the sauce at the same time? With the sauce at the same time. Yeah. Yes, I'm Italian and I didn't (laughs) know that trick. Well, I also
2: don't eat pasta. But it
1: works for gluten. So the idea with regular pasta is that the flour, the starch that comes off of the pasta in the water while it's boiling, it, it goes into the water. And then when you add it to the sauce in the pan, it helps the sauce stick to the pasta itself. But it's the same thing for gluten-free because it's still starchy and it still gives off the glue that makes the sauce stick to the pasta. So it changes everything. Try it. All right, that is a tip. Well, everyone, you
2: got that no matter where you are in the world, you just
1: learned something if you
2: didn't know it before. So that was valuable for everyone besides the inspiration to come visit West Hollywood in Pura Vida. 100%. I'm so excited for the secret, and I don't even cook. <laughs> So you're here, it's been a little over, over a year. It's apparently very successful. We're here at lunch and we're almost full here. And your Kickstarter campaign uh, was successful and you filled it and I was here that day and I feel like it was divine timing. And I'm like, you need to interview this woman because she's pioneering something and it's something you're passionate about, food and, and healthy living and clean eating. On No matter what the choices are, you know, there's different kinds of clean eating, but everybody can come here. I can be with my friends here, we can order everything. Like I love when I can go to a restaurant, there are very few of them and go, ah, I can almost order anything off the menu and I don't have to ask, is this gluten-free? What did you cook this with? Is this in this? Are you using regular soy sauce? Like, oh my (laughs) god, like, pull my hair out. Like, so I want to go someplace where I can just relax and know then trust what's on the menu and I don't have to ask ten questions. So what is next for you? Tell us about this Kickstarter
1: campaign and what it was for and what you're doing with it. Yeah, so when we were, when my partner and I were originally looking at locations, it was the intention to have pasta and pizza because I mean, duh. But we looked at a lot of locations, and they were all kind of... They all had something that was not right about it. But when I found this location, it was home. I knew this is the place. It has to be this. But the kitchen is so teeny tiny. It's this little tiny kitchen in the back. It's super New York style. It's like... Mm-hmm. It just felt right. But the idea of pizza was had to be squashed, because there's no place to do it. I mean, there's no way to put a pizza oven without taking up the whole front of the restaurant, which would be bad. So I just said, you know what, let's just forget the pizza thing. We'll just do pasta. You know, we'll just be super focused. And when the time is right for pizza, pizza will come. And so we opened. It was, like, successful right away. Everything was going great. We made very good friends with our neighbor who owns a Thai restaurant next door. And she came to me one day and said, I'm retiring. Wow.
0: And she's right show.
1: next door. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Okay, figure this out. Think straight. What are you going to do? Because we don't have an investor. We don't have, like, money. We used every penny. I mean, we used, like, couch change to make this happen. So, And I don't want an investor because I don't want to have to answer to anybody. So that was just my thing. Yeah. So I did the Kickstarter because I knew that the first thing that I had to buy w- is the pizza oven, which is going to be, by the time you buy the oven, Get it imported here, have it installed, the whole thing. It's going to be like fifty grand. So, wow, I went for it, fifty grand, and we got it, and it's just like mind blowing. I know. I was so excited to be here. I wish I would have known what was going on to be like, yay! I wish
2: I would have like, <laughs> I wish that would have been now, so I could have it <laughs> with you and be like, I'm going to bring in a gluten-free vegan
1: cake for you to celebrate. So you well, asked for can still K. celebrate when we open. You have to come and Absolutely, with us, yeah.
2: absolutely. Well, no, I want to do another another episode over in the store and, yeah. and film it. So you have this project now just starting, but I want to go back for a second because for those who are listening to you, right? So the inspiration so far is that if you're not happy with what you're doing, figure out whatever way you have to, to make that happen, to really live the purpose that you're here to do and that brings you joy in everyday living because you don't know how long you have. So just live in joy and take the risk. So now you're at this restaurant, divine guidance says, knock, knock. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Tara, it's time for you to expand even more and get your dream. Okay, so you sat down and you said, I'm going to do a Kickstarter campaign. Did you just figure that out? Did you hire somebody? Did you know somebody that did
1: it? Uh, Kickstarter. I don't know how to explain in real words what that actually did to me. (laughs) So I have a a friend and a regular uh, guest who eats here all the time who... Had run a, several of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns I think that have ever been had. Wow! And he wrote me an email with a list of all the things that I would need to do and consider, and you know, in order for it to be successful. It was a really long email, <laughs> and it made me want to cry a little bit. But I was you like, didn't feel
0: overwhelmed at all? No, not sure. at all.
1: It wasn't <laughs> it? Wasn't the worst email I've ever read? And I was like, okay, this is. This has to happen because there's no other way that I can make, you know, that I can make it without bringing in another person. And then that's just another person that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to share my partnership. It's like it's it's just it's very sacred, you know. So um, my social media manager, she's incredible. And she was just like, we're going to do this. I'm going to help you. We're going to post about it every day. You have so many supporters. We're going to reach all of them. And we're going to make this happen. I mean, she was like a cheerleader, literally. Super positive attitude. Again, like, like, you could do anything. Like, literally, she told me every day, like, you can do this. You're going to do this. It's going to be great. Even when I was like, I want to hang myself. (laughs) Because I did want to hang myself a few times. It was like, it's really difficult for me to ask for help. And it's impossible and never has happened where I've asked somebody for money and basically every single day for 30 days I was asking somebody to give me money and help me and it was so emotionally exhausting for me I would never do it again honestly but I did it and it's done so I don't have to worry (laughs)
2: about it don't you feel the love, the support that you it's got? It's incredible. Because they're not just investing in you, they're investing in your concept and they're investing in, had I know, had I been on the list, I would have been like, you're investing in me to go have an amazing meal. Like, here's my pre-order yeah. for something I'm getting. I wouldn't have seen it as you're asking me like to borrow, you know, obviously we're borrowing it. you know, asking for your investment because you're making something I want and I can't find it. So please let me help you. I'm investing in
0: my future experience of coming to eat that pizza. Yeah.
1: And that was a lot of people's exact attitudes about yeah. it and that's what kept me going. You know, the other side of it was just me, like, beating myself up because I don't like to ask for help. That's just my own weird thing that maybe I should go to therapy for. I don't know. But <laughs> but that, that was what was making me feel so stressed out every day of it. But at the end of the day, it was like, I mean, at the end of the 30 days, it was really a humbling experience to see all these people come out of the woodwork I mean, new people, old friends, just people that, like, people that live in other countries. Like, it was just crazy and awesome.
0: Really, really cool. And I'm glad I did it. So, are you knocking down a wall or you're doing another restaurant next door?
1: Yeah, we're just doing a separate restaurant next door. It's going to be kind of like a New York Italian style, like, the fancy restaurant with the pizzeria next door. <laughs> yeah, because
0: this is very high-end. We're sitting in this beautiful bar with, like, gorgeous lights, big mirrors, gorgeous tables and chairs like it's very high end italian so this is going to be like the local pizza joint right i mean it's not you know it's going to be definitely more casual
1: no reservations just kind of you know more i mean this is pretty comfortable but just more yeah. comfortable in the sense that like you could come in there and you sweatpants pants and have a pizza and not worry about it but it's still gonna look i mean you know it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty yeah <laughs> Well, of course. <laughs>
2: we, we know that. We have big
1: plans. And there better be some New York art on the walls. Is there going to yeah. be some New York art on the walls? Yeah, so actually, we were just talking, yeah, like how it is here. So I was just, we're, we're trying to figure what, like, work talk through the design and everything. And I'm like, I want photos of uh, Napoli because that's where my family comes from. And that's where pizza was born. So that's obvious that this, nice. so that's, this is also a photo that we have hanging in the restaurant. Of that same city and so I want to have that like every other photo will be like one from Napoli and another one from Brooklyn or something that represents like the both my both my two sides because it's not you know I'm not from Italy I'm from New York so it needs to have both things so there's gonna be a lot of good artwork in there I'm, I'm excited about it
2: now if someone is listening to this and they're thinking I want to do what she did and I'm, I'm spanning out. Do you have any visions for you expanding and taking Cura Vita and opening more locations? Or having anybody in the future to help you, know, to franchise from, or to use your recipes and, and expand this? Because there are people
1: who want what is in this restaurant all over the place. I cringe at the word franchise. <laughs> so I never say never to anything, but no. Opening one in New York would definitely be really awesome an obvious next step <laughs> um, but how to navigate that is beyond my understanding at this point I have to do like one thing at a time so it's um, it's a future thought opening one in Italy would be really cool <laughs> yeah. and at the very end of the day opening one in Costa Rica and then never coming back is, <laughs> is <laughs> that's the ultimate dream
2: retirement, <laughs> retirement is kind of working in Costa Rica <laughs>
0: Beachfront. I see it. I see this
1: for you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you never know. But it's definitely not part of my dream to make it a franchise or have anything. Even- well, and
2: I know a franchise sounds so corporate. It sounds so against, you know, mom and pop and what it is that we all stand for, really. Right. Yeah. But I, I guess in a business sense, I was thinking how to expand it. You know, someone recently had suggested something to me. And, and at first I thought, no, that's I'm not interested in that right now. At first I said just no, and then I went, well, hold on, you're just not interested in that right now. But I'm telling you, that seed got planted, and then a week later I was like, oh, I know exactly what I'll do now with that. And (laughs) yes, now I'm ready. But it was amazing how quickly I went from no to, oh, I shouldn't say no, I should say not right now, and then all of a sudden I had the vision. So I was just curious where your vision was. I wasn't trying to project anything on you that was more than you were comfortable with or wanting. There are some people like, no, I'm one and done, and I live down the street, and I want to you know because the restaurant industry is it's not an easy industry you are living your dream right, right. you're here all the time as you said to me we can't do this interview on zoom cuz i'm never home yeah, i live so, in the restaurant i'm expecting to go back in there at like 2 in the morning right i'm expecting <laughs> to go back in the kitchen and see a little cot that's your bed in there right and your computer next to it cuz i understand not that i've ever cooked in the restaurant but i've i've done every other job in a restaurant so you know i just wanted i just curious What has this experience taught you besides obviously that you believe in what it is that you're saying to yourself to always go after what it is that you want, that you only have one life, that dreams can happen? Is there anything else if someone's, again, listening to this show and maybe they're even in the food industry or maybe they're thinking about opening a restaurant or creating foods for people, would you have any other advice that you'd want to, someone should have said to you, you wish someone would have told you or encouraged you or not encouraged you to do X amount of years ago or
1: even now? I think that what this experience has taught me or has brought to my attention, I'll just start with that part of the question, is that, so you know, like the book, The Secret, or like this idea that if you see something, it can be real. That all sounded kind of like a little bit of garbage to me at (laughs) one point in my life. You know, my father made me read the book and I was like, okay, that's great book, dad. But yeah, I get it, whatever. And then it starts to occur to me that actually it's really real. And you have all these fantasies of things that you want to do in life. Whatever it is, for me it happened to be this, but it could be anything for anybody. And I would imagine being in my restaurant, what it would look like. The bricks on the wall and the wine on the shelves and and the smells. Smell is like really important for me. And, the, and just... I would imagine it and I would feel it and, and and but it was a fantasy. It was totally a fantasy that the other half of my brain would go, that's all sweet and beautiful but like that's never going to happen mm-hmm. like that. It's just, that's a dream. It's a, It's like wanting to be a rock star. It's like you don't get to actually do that. I mean, most people don't get to do it. And now, flashing forward into the present time, every single night I come out of the kitchen and I look at all the people who are sitting here, people lined up at the door, and and I'm like, how did these people become a part of my fantasy? Like, they're in my dream, and it's just very surreal. It's still surreal for me. Like, I still can't believe it. I don't know. (laughs) JJ, she manifested the
2: shit out of this place, didn't she? She manifested the shit out of this place, and what you don't even know is that I basically teach law of attraction. And so oh so that couldn't have been a more of a perfect answer because you didn't know that about me and my show and what I kind of teach people. And one of the many things, but that's that's the overarching connector. And why I'm leading down this path of asking these questions, because I want to be able to let people know that your dreams are possible and that most of us have the logic brain or have that inner conversation of somebody who's who's nervous for us or worried about us, our parents or or other teachers who want to say, don't get your hopes up. I don't want you to be disappointed. So don't don't shoot for that dream. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have this interview today with you was because I've because just being a part of your I'm gonna cry. Being a part of your Kickstarter celebration that I wasn't a part of, but I was in there, but I was like, but I was sitting at a table nearby and I was thinking, oh my God, how amazing that she had this happen to her and she's created this this restaurant besides the fact that I love your food it's a story that people need to hear because people think, oh, I can't do that. And you even said, no, I can't, that's not going to happen. It's not possible. But yet at the same time, you still allowed yourself to have the fantasy, the dream. Really, you were
0: creating as you were dreaming. You just didn't know how it was going to happen. And it's such a testament to the fact that the law of attraction, or whatever you want to call it, works whether you believe in it or not. Because right. I'm just like you. I have an angel and devil on my shoulder at all times, because my dad was hardcore. What you see is what you get when you die, you're dead and buried. My mom was like, woohoo, everything you know, is attracted to you that you believe in, and all the things. So I literally had both influences in my life. So I was just like you. I would imagine something, and then I'd be like, that will never happen. And then it would come, and I'd be like, well, shit, okay. So it was like slowly proving to me that this shit is real and I love your story it's such a perfect <laughs> example of that. Thank you I'm so glad I explained that because I mean some people
1: would roll their eyes at the idea of that right but not I mean, at it all is just it's just what the way it went down so it's not something I think about it every single night that I come out of the kitchen. it's the thought that goes through my head every night. Wow. Yeah. I think that's amazing because you're all, because it is such part of your
2: purpose and dream. Literally, I'm, I'm thinking of you coming out of the kitchen feeling this sense of connection. And feeling the sense of purpose and feeling the sense of appreciation and overwhelming gratitude like every single day, which is why it keeps happening and why it's so perfect and why it was supposed to happen. And that's also part of the like, law of attraction is what you appreciate, you get more of. And so you're literally, you're tuned into the awe of what you've created and what you've what you've decided you're going to make happen for yourself and allowed it to just keep happening, which is why, again, the Kickstarter and the, and the next door and your pizza place. And so that's why I was curious, what other dreams do you have for yourself? Because I don't I know for sure they're probably going to happen even if you don't think they will because because what I do know about people who Definitely about you, vegan community, but also even people who are clean eaters or healthy-minded people, whatever your diet plan is or lifestyle plan is, if you consider yourself a healthy person, really, um, then you support other healthy movements and you want it to succeed because we want to change and we want to affect and we want to educate we want to inspire others to take the route of doing things that are better for them.
1: As as much as my story sounds so amazing in the sense that, like, I believed I could do something and I, and I made it happen. I, honest to God, could never have made any of this happen and would never be able to continue making it happen on a daily basis if it wasn't for my partners and my staff. Most of which are people who I've worked with for many, many years who came with me here on this journey together with me. And they totally see me and understand me and get what this is and what it means. And without them, guiding me throughout every single day I would never be able to do this it's not it's not a solo project so I just want to make it clear that this is a this is a family experience
2: yeah, Allison was just mentioning and talking about the similarities of how you light up when you talk about this restaurant. When you talk about what you've done, and 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 the having that devil and angel on your shoulder, and how her parents were similar in terms of one would say be everything you want to be, but don't do that, right? And so the messages that we get, and what she said was explain to her why she does light up, and I and I said, well, because when you're in alignment with who you are, you can move mountains. You're super powerful, and and what into that it's also who you attract into your life. And so when you're on purpose and when your light is shining at the brightest because you're literally doing what you are what you want to be doing and what you're meant to be doing, and even if you don't know what you're meant to be doing, it's whatever lights you up in this moment. Everyone's journey can change. It's not There's not like one destination. It grows and you expand. But when you take that impulse and intuition and you go with it and you trust it and you step into it, magic happens. And then you also attract the people to help that vision. And so it feels so much more... Ease and flow than when you're trying to make something happen that's not in your alignment, and then things don't work out. Like, you get messages. And so we were talking about Law of Attraction, and you said off the record, uh, you know, oh, yeah, uh, I kind of believed it, but I really thought it was a bunch of crap, and I didn't really believe it. You did say that on the record, too, but it was that really that idea that, no, this is real. This shit's
0: real. Right, Allison? Absolutely. I just wrote a line in my book that I'm about to finish that's probably the best line I've ever wrote, and it's like kind of a summary of what you just said, and it came to me definitely divinely inspired. Like, these are not my words, but it was when we live in our truth and stand in our power, we are unstoppable. And I gave myself the chills, so just say. That's how you know it's real. (laughs) Also, it just came to me. I came up with the title for this show. Are you guys ready? Ready. Okay. A vegan, a Virgo, and a paleo walk into a bar. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that title on the Food Hills podcast. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) It already
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) Roxy, roll it, Roxy. Where's Roxy?
2: (laughs) And I want one more thing about the support. I hear the love and and gratitude that you have also for your family. And there are a lot of people who are out there in the world and they don't have that. Do you you feel like that also really contributed to your belief? Even though they didn't want you to do restaurants, you said they would have supported you no matter what you chose. Definitely support of your family also has helped you to really skyrocket,
1: correct? Oh, my God. I mean, I am so grateful and so, I never use this word, but blessed to have the family that I, I, I mean, I've just been like, drowned in love since <laughs> since my childhood and, and and it's 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 so much so that they had enough to share it with you know my friends and other people who were not as fortunate to have the most perfect family you know as a kid and, and, and in your teenage years to have the support that I had they shared they gave it to me and they gave it to my best friends and they give it to you know my my partners and coworkers now the support is is just it's the most important thing because it really does help you to believe in yourself and and you know to feel confident and to know that you can make things happen but again i mean between my family and just my partners and my coworkers it's just like this is it's a it's a project that we all work on together every day. This is definitely not a solo project. And sometimes I feel funny because I'm the person standing here with the microphone or with the camera in my face. Which is funny because I hate having a camera in my face. But Get used to it because we're bringing one in. I, <laughs> but like, you know, I want, I want everyone to hear about it. And we don't have, you know, this is the only way to make that happen. So I know that I have to do it. But it's not all about me. I mean, this is a, this is, this is a collective situation that I'm very grateful to have everybody involved here with me and sharing the vision and the love. And
2: for those of you that are listening and you don't have that support, you grew up in a family where you didn't didn't feel connected or you didn't feel loved, but you still have a mission and a purpose, I would encourage you highly to think of your family as those also who you choose and who you attract at every stage of your life that are on similar missions, if not in the way they show up in the world, but in the way they feel, and the way that they, they see you and they see you in a higher vision. Because having that community support, you know, Allison and I met on Podcast Paradise, but we met in person, uh, probably at, P- at Podcast Movement or maybe... I think
0: you just came over and did my show.
2: Oh, that's true. <laughs> I came that's over nice. and did her show. But we've been in community ever since. We
0: community. Yes, we built this beautiful community.
2: And... I don't know if you feel my love for you or support in you but I I really think that having a community for everyone is is what keeps that fire going it's what keeps that belief it's that person who can reflect back at you hey I know you're having a bad day but you can do this you can do this so just make sure that if you have that dream and you want it to for, come to fruition and you don't have like the most supportive parents or family surrounding you choose a new family and get those people in your community find somehow somewhere to feel safe And so that way you can let your light shine and you can make a difference in the world too. Mic drop. (laughs) So I want to know, you know, we've... Today covered a lot of different topics, which is going to be perfect for both of our audiences. And again, like I said, that inspiration of making your dreams a reality is one of them. Secondary is of course, but not not at all less than, your food, uh, and wanting people to try your food. And so for the people that aren't, can they follow you on social media to get ideas of what... you know? I take pictures of the food, but I'm not sure how you guys handle people that aren't local and want to know more about your menu or be inspired
1: by what it is you're creating. Yeah, I mean, we're on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and I think maybe Twitter. I don't know. I actually don't know if that's true. That might be a lie. I don't even know. <laughs> but yeah, inst- let's just focus on Instagram because it's the only one I know anything about. Um, it's uh, Pura Vita underscore LA. We post every day, sometimes a few times a day. We do stories. And... Um, <clears throat> You know, it's the photos are great, and like I mentioned before, my the social media manager she answers every question, and she's always texting me, asking me the question so that she answers it correctly. You know, so she's she's on it. If you have you know questions, we don't post recipes, of because course. <laughs> I my. One of the next goals that I have is to write, is to do a cookbook. Woohoo! I was waiting for that! I can't wait. So that's, um, you know, pizza first, and then once that's settled in, (laughs) I'm going to do a cookbook. So I don't give away recipes for that reason, because I'm, you know, just letting it sort of build up. I had a chef come in here last week who... There's a private chef of somebody in Florida, big wig, you know, billionaire kind of guy. And they saw the movie Game Changers and they yes. decided to be vegan overnight. And the chef was just like, okay. So they sent him here. Wow. And he just picked my brain while he was eating all the food. And I, for me it's like I wanna share if if my if the if the bookloads of information that are in my head over thirty years of being vegan if I can share that with somebody, that's going to help someone make better decisions for their life and animals and for the environment. If 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 I can help someone do that, of course I'm going to share all of that information. I mean, I, there's nothing I would love to do more than share that. So I'm totally open, you know, to talking and sharing. But I don't I don't know how else I could help somebody who's not here. <laughs> you know, you gave it to me. Your cookbook. Yeah. So get on the Instagram, puravita
2: underscore L A. Yes follow her on Instagram and in the store and then the restaurant and then of course Alice and I want to be invited to the VIP book launch party please and we'll help you with the launch with having uh, having you back on the show I don't mean to speak for you <laughs> sorry I will have you back on my show I won't make I won't guilt or pressure Allison into having you uh, but we'll definitely support that and that'll be a great way for you to get
1: more information out to everybody else yeah, I think that's awesome you. I have no idea how to write a book so it's gonna be a while but I <laughs> <but laughs> i'll figure it out and uh hopefully i'll find somebody who can has experience who can guide me through it we'll talk yeah we, we'll, we'll all talk <laughs> okay. we got we, we gotcha. you okay. we'll help you in this particular case i feel it's okay to ask for help good yeah genuinely don't know how to write a book yes. so. right well between <laughs> the between the two of us i
2: think there are four or five books so that have been oh, already really? published oh, yes wow. okay. so yeah <laughs> uh so we got gotcha. you anything else for the food hills nation
0: I would love to know, and from both of you, what is some of your advice for handling the holidays? Because we all have food restrictions that we're not going to compromise our values on the holidays when we're going to see friends and families, and there's lots of holiday parties and work parties and family events. And I would love to know, like, if you're gluten-free, if you're vegan, if you're sugar-free, if you're alcohol-free, whatever it is, how do you handle those situations and go into it in a place of grace and ease and and how to deal with the judgment and how to make sure there's food for you that you can eat and all the things? Uh, My answer to that, I mean, since I'm a little kid,
1: was one of two ways: eat before you go. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Eat before you go. But bring enough that you can share it with everybody, because you can't just bring yourself a little plate of food and not expect everybody to want. The thing that happens is when you make your food, you could go to a place where, you know, somebody's mom is cooking a a seven-course meal. Inevitably, they're going to want to eat your food. I don't know why that is. If nobody's vegan or any diet restrictions at all, for whatever reason, they want to eat your food. Yeah. So you always have to come prepared with extra food. My advice would also be to just order catering through us and bring
0: it, boom, <laughs> to your party. All right. Done and done. That's what I'll be doing.
2: Thank you very much. Oh,
0: for your birthday party. I know. Well, I'm having a book launch and birthday party, so we should talk. December. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And I agree 100% that I would eat before and also bring something. In fact, what, and we'll talk about this over our wonderful meal we're gonna have after this recording, but we, there's somebody that we know that I, We were invited for dinner, and I and my boyfriend said to the person, you know, what can we bring? And he said, oh, no, it's okay, we got it. And he said, okay, well, there's gluten sensitivity and dairy sensitivities because he doesn't eat dairy, and we both try to stay away from dairy, and uh, and I'm more gluten than he, uh, sensitive than he is. And, of course, we get there, and there's salad. There was lasagna with a ton of cheese, and I thought I was furious because my gut instinct was I should be taking something. Like, I said, please let me bring something, so in that case... Go with your gut instinct. Override what they're telling you and bring something that you can share with everyone. Don't tell them it's vegan. Don't tell them you know that it's healthy for them. Just bring something that tastes good that you'll eat. And then you can just pick out whatever they have that you can eat and then eat your thing and then keep your mouth shut. Because then you're really serving yourself. You really have to take full responsibility and just just pretend you can't eat anything. And then when you do celebrate the fact that, oh my God, I can eat this. Like, I'll never forget going to like a restaurant in the South Bay. It's called rice sushi and in Manhattan beach. And I know you guys don't eat fish, but it is, it's completely gluten-free and it's completely dairy-free. Their ice cream is made of almond. They've got desserts that are dairy-free and I literally can order anything. And I kept asking, I'm sorry, is this gluten-free? I'm sorry. Like they have tempura. I'm like, that's gluten-free. Everything is (laughs) gluten-free. And it was like Christmas every time I go because I don't have to worry about it. So really just bring your own stuff and appreciate the company, focus on the quality time and on the celebration. And,
0: then, and that, that would be my advice. I agree, totally. I think my biggest, like, hack for this, because unlike you ladies, I am not a master chef in the kitchen, so what I do is I bring the vegan cheese plate, don't tell anyone that it's vegan cheese, and people love it, and they're like, what is this? And all the flavors and textures are just dying, and then eventually I tell them, and it's kind of like an easy way to, A, have food for me, and then, B, get them into my world, and then they're more likely to try if I brought a broccoli dish as well, or, you know, something that I've made that is gluten free, dairy free, or I've bought or had catered by a restaurant like Pura Vita. They're more likely to try it once I get them in with the vegan cheese because they don't believe that that non-dairy food can taste good. Oh yeah, Doug had his first dairy
2: free cheese. I made a a dairy free goatless cheese log when we first... Kind of got together and he tasted it and he was like, yeah, no. And then not even six months later, we went wine tasting and I brought a log to have for myself. I started eating it. He goes, well, can I have some? I said, you didn't like this. He goes, well, I was an idiot. (laughs) Like he's completely like loves it now. His his taste just needed to change just a little bit. And now he's like, how is this not cheese? How is this not cheese? Like he has ice cream that's dairy free. He's like, how is this not ice cream? Because it tastes the same, but it's so much better for him. So we're gonna have to do. I want us to do a filming in your kitchen. I want to. I want to teach you some very basic cooking things so you can just. And so, he can, you know, you can say, I know how to do some basic cooking things, which I'm sure you probably okay. do.
0: I know how to do basic things. I just don't know how to do gourmet things like you ladies.
2: We're making that cheese in your kitchen, I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, any other ways for them to
2: follow you? So, Instagram, anything on the website that of interest? I know your story is there. If you want to see uh, Tara's... Well we
1: have two Instagrams. We have the restaurant Instagram, and then I have my own personal one. And, and I try never to... I try not to post the same thing that, that they're posting on our restaurant page, so... For me, it's more of my personal experience, obviously always promoting the restaurant, but I guess if you're looking for personal inspiration, it might be... More fun to follow my page or both pages. It's at Chef Tara Punzoni. Thank you. That's really the only social media I do. So okay, I, I'm, Instagram I'm it is. Not very good at it. No. In general. So make. Sh- Gorgeous, darling. Wow! Look at all that.
2: Yes, I'm gonna follow. I follow the restaurant, but now I'll follow you too. And I would recommend everyone listening, if you're interested in this cookbook that's coming out, follow at least one, if not both of those, and uh, and it's definitely be a in while. touch. That's, that's okay. Gonna, that's gonna be. A that's okay. While. And well, clear. when we're done with you, it may be sooner. than than you think, um, <laughs> but nonetheless, it will come out. And if anyone, my audience knows, when I say I'm going to do something, it gets done. Uh, same thing for Allison; she's a multitasker like none other. She's got so many things going
0: on, and she's a master producer. Well, I'm productive. I believe multitasking is the death of productivity, so I prefer to say I am productive. Okay, scratch that. She's productive. She's multi-talented,
2: and she gets shit done. Let's just say that. So. Tara, thank you so much for allowing us to do this. I know that you have not – you've said you've only done one other podcast before. And, of course, I'm asking her, hey, do you want to be on a podcast? I want to interview you. I'm, like, coming up to you, and you're like, who's this weird girl who's asking me to put, her, put me on her podcast? And, of course, I have all these different podcasts, and some of them have nothing to do with food. But I knew that your story was going to be more than just food. And it was more than just, hey, everybody come to the restaurant – and yes, hey, everybody come to the restaurant. But it was it was really learn from the inspiration because I was inspired, and I love your food, and I love your mission, and thank I'm here you. to support it. I'm glad that we did this.
0: This is perfect. Yes, yeah. thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for coming. Who else wants a free, fresh bottle of olive oil shipped straight to their door? 323com that's getfresh323.com you'll get your free bottle and you'll pay one dollar for shipping getfresh323.com another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals